All right. So, hey, guys, this isn't Tracy. This is actually her best friend, Girdley. And because me and that crazy girl have been through, like, uh, 10 years of adventures, I thought I'd hit y'all with a disclaimer of sorts. First and lastly, do know that whatever the hell Tracy shares in this podcast comes from her very own treasure chest of magic, logic, and good intentions. She's definitely not a therapist alternative, but she does believe it's inhumane to withhold what feels like gangsta insight. My girl's not for everyone, but she just might be for you. She's beauty in the what it do you're listening to the she's beauty and the beast podcast season one episode six where i'm back clearly obviously with my bestest girdly the sexiest soulmates i could ever ask for who i am not sexually attracted to thank god (laughs) thank the discerning visionary god I have. Oh, yes. And I mean all of this in in the most loving, appreciative way possible. Um, And it does set the tone for the dialogue we're about to swing your way. I think the longest sexual orientation I've ever identified with is bisexual. But in, um, in recent years, it just hasn't felt as accurate a description for me as it once did, you know, which made me like extra curious about myself. And I wanted to walk down my memory lane of sexuality, see what's changed, um, see what stayed the same. And we're going to be talking about a lot <laughs> things I hope my mother does not continue listening to including the question of is it more liberating to have a threesome or to fantasize about having a threesome he 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 all right let me quit extending the intro and just run the combo Burgarita. <laughs> That's what Wouldn't you one. want yeah a nice cold tall glass of a burgerita <laughs> <laughs> Of course, you can't forget the umbrella on top. <laughs> and a little bit of mango. <laughs> How you feeling, my girl? I'm okay. I'm okay. I had uh Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. I'm in a good place. I got some good awareness going on around me. Define good, because I'm reading this book um, that's necessary for my yoga teacher training, but even without that, I would still feel like it was just necessary for my own Tracy Garrard training. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's called nonviolent communication. Mm. And one of the things they note in there is how good is such a generalization. So you should ask your fellow humans to share what flavor of good they are. Because mm. okay. some people say I'm good and they actually upset with you and they say it to shoo you away. Mm. <laughs> Some people good is really just like they're okay. Mm-hmm. Some people good is um, some lovely anticipation of something. Yeah. So what is your flavor of good? Mm. That's funny. That's really good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think my flavor of good right now is comfortable in my situation and in myself and really um, a deep appreciation for peace. Mm. I get that now. When people are like, nothing's more important than peace. I'm like, 
nigga clothes money <laughs> success what <laughs> like, right. sex. like i have a bunch of things that i that i feel like well that's as good as peas but now i really 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 get it i'm like no 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 mm. <laughs> i really understand when people mean like nothing is more important than peace and i feel like i have it so i really appreciate it right now yeah yeah i feel you on that so are we defining are you defining peace as solitude as acceptance as quiet it's um, me understanding what things rattle my spirit and make me anxious or uncomfortable and creating a boundary, a very, very nice boundary, but like, no, 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 we can't do that. Or no, 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 I, I'm not, I can't engage in that today. Or no, 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 I'm not going there. Oh, no, no, that doesn't work. And being able to say that with a smile and yeah. it be easy peasy and me waking up and saying I feel good today and me knowing that I can hold on to that energy mm. till the end of the night and being very intentional about it. So, like, that's what I mean when I say I'm in a good place. Yeah, yeah. I like that visual and the the energetic feeling of smiling while making a tough decision, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and then reaping the, the benefits later. Mm-hmm. Amen. How yeah. you feeling? Uh, I'm feeling good as well. Let me think of my flavor. Right, right, right. <laughs> what toppings I got on my good. <sighs> Peace resonates with me, but, you know, I've been jacking so much of your clothes all these years. I can't go jacking your words, too. <laughs> it's communal. It's communal. <laughs> I feel curious, which is my form of peace because, and we said this in our last conversation when we were talking about comparison, but how curiosity is a medicine for judgment curiosity is a medicine for judgment okay mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i'm exploring so much of that through yoga teacher training like past self present self who i've already judged to be my future self you know the presence is forever a revolving door And so literally every breath, every moment, every me is new. And anything that feels familiar is a signal that it's from the past. So I can't let familiarity, even if someone reminds me of someone else that I didn't rock with, you may have the tendency to like judge that person, you know, or in yoga, I may do a pose and I'm very shaky in it. And I remember the last time I was shaky in it. So then I already judge myself in this pose instead of like finding a sense of ease or joy, what have you. You know what I mean? And then also yoga is so accepting of dualities and even beyond that, you know, the whole sense of in order to rise higher, you have to like root down further, you know, all these oppositional forces Um, And one not being better than the other. And then also there being more than duality too. There's, there's so many different layers to, to who you are and all of them. You're supposed to just give the same respect and grace um, and ear, you know? So I've been discovering so much about myself And when I see just 
the the innumerable amount of nuance to me it makes me also curious about that within others because there's still so much that was laying dormant and now it's coming out as I'm literally like stretching and opening with my limbs and so it's coming out in in other ways and I'm like dang so then how can I judge someone else when there's even more I don't know about them that I don't know in the moment Mm -hmm. and then I don't know what past moment they're tethered to Mm. and like what what did the seed first look like? Mm-hmm. I'm here looking at the plant, like the manifestation, not realizing that this all started from something else. And so if I'm curious about that, can I find relatability? Mm-hmm. Can I find myself within that person? Mm-hmm. Can I find my God within that person? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and thinking about that with um, the duality and, and all the different versions of ourselves that are lived in this one human experience of now it made me start thinking about my sexuality over the years and I'm not naturally someone that like pedals backwards to reflect I know whatever that's all cute and shit to say in the wellness um, community how we journal and all stuff like that but I have to like really like remind myself to do that it does it does it come naturally to me and so I was like, wait a minute. I've been really like shifting. I looked at this blog post that I had in 2015. And it's, uh, what is it? It's 27 facts social media won't reveal about me. I've been updating it since 2015. But something that felt expired that I wrote is I'm bisexual and Jesus loves me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Jesus loves me part is forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's 101% permanence. But the bisexual part, I was like, I haven't felt comfy in this term bisexual in a long time. Mm-hmm. So it made me think, when did I even become first comfortable in this identity? Uh, that I was like, okay, when was the time period? What was the time period like before I even knew that this was an identity? And then, because three is a very special, magical, mystical number, completion, when did this identity of being bisexual begin to wilt for me? So, dear listener, this is going to be an excursion of sorts, an excursion through the past through the present and maybe some light predictions of the future Uh (laughs) into our sexuality. And so because a lot of our sexuality has to do with our social conditioning, a question that came to mind, which I'm so curious about when it comes to yourself, Girdley, and then also just for um, some self-reflection for me is, do you remember if you were attracted to boys first or if you were told to be attracted to boys first? Which came first, the desire or the direction? I'm going to say the direction because um, I always just thought that girls were pretty. Like the no one ever had to tell me that. I was just like, oh, wow. Always, always all different types of girls very easily. 
from girls and grown ass women. And um, <laughs> distinction, distinct because they be gorgeous too. Like I'd be like, I'd always had favorite aunties that I would just love for no. They didn't do anything for me, but just be beautiful. And I'm like, that's enough. Right. <laughs> Here's an award. Uh, yeah, <laughs> my complete adoration. Um, yeah, and I think when it came to boys, I it's just something that developed later. But then I also grew up with a great distrust for boys and men. At an early age. Mm -hmm. So I think I had to. um, I'm not sure if the if the lag in my attraction to them was somehow rooted in that and just this constant understanding of these people are going to do something to you that you're not going to like or they're going to touch you or they want something from you. It's always I've always kind of had those kind of messages growing up around me as a kid. and And it's not even that they were told to me, but they were just like very clear like I could just see so many adults arguing because the man did something he shouldn't have done like you know so Definitely. I kind of just had a a distrust but um I do remember finally getting a crush on <laughs> a boy around like third grade who I like fought with all the time remind me our age at third grade I think we're eight okay I think we're eight yeah. or nine um, but I remember having a crush on him and it becoming like a big deal and everyone making fun of me and me being so embarrassed about it. But I remember thinking that girls were way, way, way prettier before my little crush on Reginald. Mm. <laughs> Reginald, if you listen, what up? What up, Reginald? <laughs> right, right, right. Hopefully he's still in human form. <laughs> Let's hope so. Let's hope so. Uh, you know what? I have a very similar uh, trajectory. Mm. I'm so happy that you brought up like just without just this automatic response to a woman's beauty because I definitely had that like but it's strange because you'd even have to speak Nothing. as a woman but mm-hmm. then I feel like am I was I also taught to um, minimize a woman's power mm-hmm. because so much of our society just awards the surface of a woman you know mm-hmm. her appearance her aesthetic so that's another type of like pool we can dive into. But anyways, but such is life. I definitely found girls. So not attractive yet when I was a kid, just beautiful, just like admiring mm-hmm. art. Mm-hmm. And with boys, it was like admiring danger, you know? And I think it's because definitely what has shaped me is all the time spent in between my mama's legs when she was um, braiding my hair. And it was always while the Oprah Winfrey show was on. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and growing up, there was just a period of time that she really focused on um, abductions, child abductions. <laughs> yes. And so it was always or just um, sexual harassment, molestation. Mm-hmm. Like there was just a period in the Oprah Winfrey show where that was like the zeitgeist of convo and so i'm just always seeing who is the criminal here who is always um wielding Mm -hmm. a weapon in between their pants and that it is our whatever boys and also watching so many disney movies for the bulk of them the villain Mm -hmm. was the boy too but there was something I've, you know this. I've always had some type of pull to the dark side. 
which has frightened me. But now I'm kind of like, whatever, because I, I believe in alchemy and I could just flip anything into whatever I want it to Come be. Come on, shadow work. You understand what I'm saying? Come through. Yes. And a candle just looks its illest, its sexiest when it's surrounded by darkness. Mm -hmm. So I don't care. But at the time, I just I wanted to um, analyze, decipher, like, you know, gently touch, <laughs> push the button, see what happens. And so that kind of pulled me into boys because I felt like if I could tame this beast, I would get the biggest reward of them all, whatever that reward is. You I know? agree. Just yeah. validation. Mm -hmm, but mm -hmm. there was always like this challenge. Mm -hmm that mm -hmm. came with boys and mm -hmm. you see it in all of our fairy tales and stuff because the whole you live happily ever after yeah and i didn't see no living happily ever after when it came to even friendship with another girl mm -hmm. you know what i mean mm -hmm. there was only a happily ever after when there was insert boy here yeah, yeah. that's it yeah so i definitely feel like that that shaped a lot and then it wasn't until <sighs> And I wrote about this in our class, remember, when we were in um, in college for Denalyn Carroll's Writing for Magazines <laughs> class? Yes. And I had to write yes, some Denilyn type Carroll. of article. I forgot what the, the writing prompt was. But let's say, let's say sixth grade. I'm just going to throw that out there. It also could be seventh grade. It also could be, it wasn't fourth grade because I love Gerard Ganji in fourth grade. So it wasn't fourth grade. Fifth or sixth or seventh grade. And I got caught. Oh, man. Somebody just saw my subconscious just out here creeping <laughs> and pointed out it. I'll speak literally now. So I, I'm in class and a friend of mine at the time, she walked in and I, what, my eyes were just stuck on her ass. And I literally watched this girl because <laughs> she came in late <laughs> and she never comes in late. So it was like the first time that she had like her just solitary moment, like mm -hmm. on the catwalk of the classroom. <laughs> and I just, I didn't even realize what was happening. I was just floating along with the booty. <laughs> I mean, booties are mesmerizing, like, period. Like, yeah. nobody can deny beautiful ass. That's like, true, come but on. I had never, like, noticed an ass before. I just mm -hmm. always look people in their face. <laughs> mm. And then this kid, Jason, as soon as Homegirl walked and then sat down, he came right into my ear and said, I saw you staring at her butt. Oh, my God. There was a Jason that, oh, there's always a Jason. Jasons are always, like, <laughs> I had a Jason no. that terrorized me as yeah. a child, too. I hope you're listening, too. Oh, I remember. They <laughs> always design the most, like, mortifying situations. <laughs> it's probably because of the horror movie. <laughs> probably just decided, well, this is my role. <laughs> Yo. But it was like everything clicked. And then it was like. I just had a walk of shame with my heterosexuality dragging behind me. <laughs> but I didn't know what the term heterosexuality was. I didn't know. I definitely hadn't heard of a lesbian before. I didn't know about all these other um, identities, desires, whatever, um, different um, levels on a spectrum. I was just like, he's right. And I also remember in school... 
at a very young age, um, my young girlfriends, not literally, but just, you know, my female friends. Mm -hmm. I hear people saying, um, dang, I heard somebody use the term friend girl. I don't know. That's a thing? Friend, my friend girl. Whatever. <laughs> my fucking girlfriend, yo. Not the type that, that I had sex with. But anyways, yes, I'm still young. And I had this this gang of girlfriends. And for some reason, they were very, very experimental with their bodies and it wasn't even in a sense of oh my gosh you're so hot I really just want to like perform this act of lust on you it was quite um clinical so when you went to the bathroom and I was terrified to go to the bathroom <laughs> they would pull down your pants to see how much pubic hair you've grown Trace was this when you were in all girl school no this is not high school this yet this is some co-ed shit yeah wowzers <laughs> <laughs> this is private school this this yeah, see what y'all are paying for? My, <laughs> see my, education. My this didn't happen in public. This was education. It's called biology. It's called anatomy. <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> so yeah, so a lot so a lot of that happened, a lot of weird like dry humping. Oh, let's practice. It wasn't like let's practice like kissing on one another, but it was definitely like let's practice being on top of one another, yada yada. Just simulation. Wow. Yeah. And I felt really embarrassed at the time. And I realize it now in hindsight, because I think this desire that was starting to like grow, that it was going to come out before I even understood it, mm -hmm. that it would be like seen. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I just like pushed it down further for a while. Um, and then... <sighs> Let me ask you a real quick question. I don't want to lose your train of thought. Hold yeah. on to hold on to where you're going, right? You remember that? I'm just so curious about this. <laughs> go, go, go. Was was there like a ringleader, or was this just like, is it, was this just like how, was this just like the thing that all the girls did? There was did? a ringleader. The girl yeah. with the booty was the ringleader. <laughs> I have a theory. <laughs> Please share. So what happens is when you are over sexualized as a kid, because there was a lot of curvy ass kids in my family too is that people just start treating you like an adult and exposing you to adult experiences. And when you're exposed to something that is just that incredibly alarming yeah. as a child, you are you somehow reenact it because it's kind of like, I don't want to say a high in the term that we know it is if it's something that gratifies us, even if it was gratifying or not. They, you've just been stimulated to such an extent. Mm -hmm. It's like there's an there's... Forgive me for lack of better terms, but you know there, there's, there's going to be some kind of like reproducing of that sensation again, just to even test your own like aliveness or your yeah. own um, ability to experience genuine joy or pain. Limits, right? Your limits. So that's why I'm like, I bet you it was probably the one who was treated like an adult at home or whatever in private spaces they are that would probably even influence that. And if she was the kind of girl that could um, attract all of this attention, male attention. Um, if she did attract male attention, girls are always little girls mm -hmm. and grown ass women, unfortunately, sometimes are always paying attention to what men find attractive. So true. And we empower those. We empower those people as well, too. Mm -hmm. So it does. It makes sense that that girl would be the ringleader and would have influence over everybody to say right. this is what we gonna, this is what we're about to do. Um, that is so some wild true. stuff, girl. That's some wild stuff. But yes, thank you for sharing your truth. It's It's similar. It's. We grew up in different states, but this is a thing. This is a thing that's happening. So I'm yeah. glad that you have the recognition and the articulation to even go there because this is what happens when we sexualize 
people and <laughs> yeah and plus i fully applaud your listening skills so that you were able to piece that together and not just let it slide by <laughs> yeah but that that's so true all of these different influences and i think for myself maybe part of the embarrassment was i didn't fully develop either mm-hmm. so yeah that's probably maybe goes into like a bit of my hesitancy but it wasn't until oh i also knew that who I was attracted to was fuzzy when I watched Aladdin. Mm -hmm. And I was really in like some type of seesaw when it came to who I found to be like better looking, Jasmine or Aladdin. And when they had scenes (laughs) together, I didn't really know who to pay more attention to. wow. It was a lot, but I definitely had some type of crush on Princess Jasmine and all them bundles. She was so beautiful. Yeah. She was really out here killing Cute it. Cute little shape. Yeah. <laughs> and like the outfits. Like Pants that was the first... fly. We never saw no <laughs> Disney princess with a belly button. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, oh, she daring? <laughs> <laughs> right. Who didn't have a fin, right? You're right. You're right. You're right. Absolutely. But then... <laughs> Going into high school, and it's weird because I do feel like, and I mean, I was about to say the word obviously, but I guess it's not obvious for everyone. I can't assume. But definitely, um, if you're a part of the LGBTQ plus community, um, you can definitely say that this is coming from nature. I was born in this way. I do think, and even though this is not a popular thing to say. I do feel like nurture can come into play. Mm -hmm. I just don't think that has to be a negative thing. Mm. You know, I think we're very much conditioned to be, if you identify as LGBTQ plus to be on the defense when someone says it's not natural, it's not natural, whatever, whatever. And I'm like, half of our fucking hair is not natural. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like the, you know, the length of our lashes is not natural. Mm-hmm. Like so much shit, the fucking hole you have in your ear, mm-hmm. you know, and not the one that helps you hear, like the one that just holds accessories. It's not, like nothing is freaking not a lot is not natural. And that's fine because there's beauty and, and power and choice. And um, a lot of times you can make informed choices. And a lot of times choices can happen subconsciously as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, cool as long as you enjoy what's happening Mm -hmm. so i hope that wasn't like what's the word that i'm looking for controversial i mean if it is then we can just open up conversation yeah that's true it's all good i'm not trying to offend nobody right 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 right. just speaking the the truth the reason i say all of this is because of the influences that were around me when i went to an all girls high school i would imagine You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That I just cannot deny. And I absolutely love, in hindsight, not at the time, the absence of boys. Because for myself, I feel like it just eased me into my personal development, Mm -hmm. you know, where I wasn't in need of this validation from guys and then all the jokes that they have. You know, just the bullshit that comes from their balls, like, was gone. Extra bull. Yeah, Yeah. but Mm -hmm. it's weird because this desire to be desired Mm -hmm. is so real Mm -hmm. in humans. Mm -hmm. 
And so I, I don't know if being in an all-girls school, when you see that there are a certain group of girls who are desired by another girl, you just kind of want that energy. Yeah. If that makes sense. Absolutely. Because it, it creates a divide, which then creates a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, people out here are wanted in this space? Yeah. That I thought was like homogenous. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Nah. Mm-mm. I want to be wanted. Mm-hmm. Even if it's by a girl that I don't even really find physically attractive. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> there was this, there was definitely a ringleader, this senior um, and if she just looked you in your eyes, I felt like poof, you became a lesbian. This girl of power. She had whew, she had like eyes that could compete with like put your best cat on the block. And she had wilder eyes than mm-hmm. any type of feline. And it was very intimidating. So I never wanted to look at her because all of my friends just ended up like in between her legs when they did. Wow. <laughs> but at the same time. <laughs> Wow. I did. I don't know. I must have said a lot of Hail Marys during that period of my life. Mm-hmm. But eventually, um, I ended up having a lot of friends who were just dippling and dabbling in breast and vagina. And um, I got curious. I didn't have my sexual experience at that time. I had like my first girl crushes. One of my good friends... <laughs> And whenever we were in our, um, what is this called? Which is when you have like a free period or whatever, and we'd be in the seniors lounge. She would always let me like let leave my my hand on her thigh. It's very weird to say these things out loud. Aw, aren't you brave though? <laughs> but it was like our little thing. And she let me hold it there for the full hour. And I was like, oh my gosh. And I could have orgasmed off of that. Because her legs were always shaved. She must have had like a body butter. Not even a lotion, bitch. Like a body butter. Wow. (laughs) But the crazy thing is I didn't find her that physically attractive. But she had a great personality. And she had these body parts I never played with before, Mm -hmm. even with like myself. You know what I mean? And masturbation is a whole other thing because I didn't end up going down that route until later in life. So it's just like, you know, the benefit of moving to a new town as a kid is where's the new playground? You know what I mean? So that's what being into being in an all girls school was to me. It was a new part of town. And then the girls were like new, new playgrounds. And. So I ended up writing her a letter towards graduation and telling her how I had like a big crush on her. And it was like, I thought it was a very romantic, sweet letter. I gave it to her on the last day of school and then I vanished <laughs> into my New York City chapter of life because I didn't want to know if the feelings were reciprocated or not because both of those would have terrified me. Um, but I still didn't think of myself as bisexual yet. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? What did, how do you identify, by the way, Bergie? I was actually about to ask that question because I wonder, and please, this is a genuine wonder, for real, for real. I wonder, um, like you said, people need to be desired. People need to be touched. There are studies that were People have died because of lack of touch. People need to be touched. People need to be embraced. People need to feel loved. Um, And if you're in a space where these are the options, Mm -hmm. I believe that it's very natural for an attraction to happen. Mm -hmm. 
you know, um, just like, you know, that term. And I really don't want to be offensive, but I'm just saying what I know. So if you know better, put me on. But this is what I know. When they say people go to jail and they're gay for the stay. I was thinking the same thing. Right. And I'm like, are you really gay or do you just need to be touched? <laughs> is that just a survival tactic? Is it a survival tactic? And is it fair to put a label on that? You know what I'm saying? So I, I really genuinely wonder. I'm like, if that's what it means to be bisexual, well, then shit. I guess I classify too. <laughs> because I want to be touched too. Right. I, I'll take a good hug. If you smell good and you seem good and you have good energy, yeah, I want that hug. Especially if I've had to go a long time without one. Right. You know, so um, I don't have a definition for what it means to be bisexual. Um, I don't. I really don't. So... But I mean, like, just for yourself personally, not necessarily bisexual, but do you identify as heterosexual, as pansexual, as sexually fluid feels right? That's the coat that I'm wearing currently. Um, yeah, I guess I can't say that I'm fully heterosexual because if I did... Nah, man. <laughs> I love it. I love men. I can't help. It. I love women, but I I feel like I I I would never. I would. I I need. I need male parts. Mm, I do. I yeah. need a male embrace. I need that man smell. That that manly smell. Mm -hmm. I appreciate women, and I could totally. I I would appreciate the love of a woman, but there's a part of me that feels that that it, it wouldn't be enough. Mm. That I would always long. Yeah. You know. So I don't know what what that is. What would that be called? Yeah. And I don't even think you have to call it anything. Cool. We won't. I think it's <laughs> just. I think it's just honesty. Mm. You know what I mean? I think our, our sexual forecast is always changing. Mm -hmm. And as long as you're true to who you are in the present moment and to whoever needs to know that truth, because mm -hmm. not everyone needs to know as we're like figuring it out, especially if it's people who I'm not going to be in bed with. Like, what right. does my business have to do <laughs> with your joy? Um, but of course, others would say otherwise. Mm -hmm. For myself, it's been interesting because... You know me when I had a girlfriend and I was in a relationship with a woman on and off for three years. And when I was with her, I felt like a lesbian. Mm -hmm. I'm very, this is funny because I've cheated on so many people, but in a sense, I'm very committed to the gender of the person I'm with. I'll say that. I'm not always committed to the person, but I am committed to the gender, meaning and this has just been how it's how it is in the past. This is somewhat how it is in the present. But when I was with my ex-girlfriend, I felt like a lesbian. I looked at heterosexual couples and it just looked very strange, actually. It didn't make sense. It just looked like a freaking like a like a, a junk drawer. <laughs> what does that mean? It's like, why would soft things be with hard things? <laughs> I was like, everything soft should be in this one drawer. Everything hard should be in this other drawer. Like it was deaf. I was not on the opposites attract wave. I was like, nah, like similarities stick. Mm. That's what that's what it was to me for mm. for some strange thing. And then even with being with Carl, I feel, I guess, heterosexual, but not really because that term doesn't really fit me because I definitely fantasize about women a lot when I'm having sex, but I don't fantasize about anyone being my girlfriend. 
<laughs> anymore. And I don't and I don't fantasize. Like the girl that I have sex with in my mind, one, Carl is always around. Like me and her are not vacationing and like fucking on, you know, poolside. Wait, wait, just to clarify, this isn't a real person that you know in real life. No, that's the beautiful thing. Okay. So there have been like some girls that I've thought of kissing, but then like something in my brain, I guess it's just my past self is like, oh, okay, what's up? And it will try to tempt me to imagine going down on the girl. And I'm just like, hell no. Mm-hmm. I don't even know this person. Right, right, right. I'm not, I'm, and maybe also because like going down on a girl, when I had to learn it, my ex-girlfriend had me down there for like an hour and a half, bro. And I was like, oh my God gosh son like just write me the manual i promise i'll study it and we can come back to this <laughs> mm-hmm. did you ever have an orgasm before then uh did i did i did i did i did i i faked so many orgasms in my past that i really don't remember mm. you don't remember when you had a let first real one let me see let me see oh i did <laughs> so you, so prior to learning how to go down on somebody, you already knew what it had felt like to have. Yes. A clitoral or a vaginal one? Clitoral. Oh, okay. Cool. Yeah. Um, but I knew how long it took me to figure out how to train the tongue of another, the lips of another, when it came to my ex-boyfriends. And so it was very daunting for me to figure it out, especially because I know women's bodies are all different. Mm. You know what I mean? Once you get like one pussy, doesn't guarantee that you'll get the next, anything like that. But I did appreciate her for having, you know, on the spot training. (laughs) But when I'm with Carl, it's interesting because I have learned (laughs) it's a lot. We're going to go many different places, folks. It's hilarious, y'all. It's hilarious. What I've learned, I thought that I wanted a threesome my entire life. I really did. I almost was able to, you know, have that done in the past. Thank God I didn't because it would have been with the wrong people at the wrong time. But because it was always a fantasy in my head, I'm like, then this should absolutely be manifested, right? But you know what I've realized? For myself, this may not be a blanket statement for everyone, but take it if it feels right, is that... Sometimes a fantasy is best left a fantasy because it is the only time I have full control of my life. The reason I don't want a threesome to be performed where I'm engaging in it and so is my man and so is this other girl that we pull from who knows where is because part of my fantasy is the way she arrives and exits she literally evaporates into <laughs> <laughs> glitter, into pixie dust. No, because that would be too messy. I want no glitter involved. You're ruining my fantasy, girly. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me retreat. But that cannot happen in real life. You know what I'm saying? Like, there's a lot more just like verbal foreplay that has to be done. Uh, maybe more drinks that has to be poured. Then the choreography of it all you know what i'm saying and then the aftermath and who knows how i'm really going to feel i have i have absolutely no clue and because Hmm. all of those different possibilities don't sit well with me 
that's how I know not to do it. And that is my new like compass. If all the possi- if I'm okay with all the possibilities for how this could play out, then I'll proceed. Yeah. If I'm not, especially if the majority of possibilities make me say hell no, then it's hell no. Right. And so I've just found so much like thrill and freedom in my fantasies. Because mm-hmm. I'm just like, whoa. And I'm like, and I'll also be like, is this happening? Like in some type of, you know, bringing like quantum physics into play. Is this happening like on a whole other universe? Mm-hmm. Maybe so. But right here, right now, no, to, to, to take it out of my cerebrum. No, I'm not. I'm not going to do that because it's it's so like less liberating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for bisexual. I think because of the way society started playing with that word and all the conversations that would happen when I started calling myself bisexual and that happened right after high school in college and I think that's because I came to New York City where everyone is just young wild and free Mm -hmm. (laughs) and a lot of people that I met and who I just really admired their um, their spirit that was just how they identified at the time and so it felt like it felt right for me, not only because I was attracted to some women, because here's the other thing. I'm not attracted to all women. And for some reason, that tends to happen. Like when you call yourself bisexual or even sexually fluid or a lesbian, anything that's not heterosexual. Mm-hmm. For others, I've seen it be defined as you like everyone. Right. But being heterosexual doesn't mean you like everyone of the opposite sex. Right. But all of a sudden, I'm categorized as greedy like sis yeah people i think people can um fuse boundaries and standards Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. very very often yeah and i think also i saw a lot of times women who wanted to experiment if i call myself bisexual (laughs) i think it's because there was a more limited pool back then you automatically want to be attracted to the one girl mm-hmm. who is open to that because mm-hmm. you think that she'll be down to be right. your little play bunny. Mm-hmm. But that's that's definitely not the case. So one, the term bisexual, because I just, I don't know, I felt like it brought too many girls my way that were kind of just in their gray area. And I just, I didn't like having a lot of those conversations. Like, I don't want to be your makeout buddy mm-hmm. <laughs> for right now. Like, I'm sorry. I'm not even getting paid for this shit. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> and then two, hmm. just so many questions. Like I remember when I came out to my mom and I just, I, I hate, thank God. I guess we are getting to a place. I can't speak for those who have spoken loud for the first time about their orientation. That's anything but hetero. I don't know if it's I want to say it's easier, but this whole like coming out just bothers me too. like becoming like some type of museum exhibit for people to stare at and it's not literally stare at but it's like this this fascination and 
I am down for the education and stuff, but sometimes the fascination can very much go into like uh, fetishization, mm-hmm. right? And a weird like, let me attempt to reverse you. Mm-hmm. I've had all of this. Is this making sense? Yeah. Okay. Well, people people are generally uncomfortable with just like um, autonomy frustrates people. Mm-hmm. People who are living within like you know the rules. I've always noticed that like anytime I work with like sticklers, they really, really, really don't like me because I'm like, (laughs) they really don't. If you're a stickler for the rules, we're probably going to have a hard time working with each other because I'm going to get the work done, but I'm going to do it my way. Right. And um, people who really follow the rules and they they take pride in following the rules. It it really bothers them when they come across someone that doesn't Mm -hmm. or they do or they reinterpret the rules. Mm -hmm. So um, I can imagine that to be a really huge case, especially with like how people treat sex how like the intimacy of sex is something that is um elusive and it's more so as like uh, an agent of control and power yeah so i can totally see a bisexual being the perfect guinea pig for somebody (laughs) who you know is struggling with all of those yeah for sure for sure for sure and even for people who aren't struggling but just want to get all the answers from you because in their eyes you have one foot in one foot out so it's like i can't offend the bisexual because you're half of us you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Versus thinking that you absolutely can offend someone who is homosexual because it feels more divisive. Mm. You know, it feels like a, mem- a complete member of the opposite oh, team. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Maybe how, like, some people feel comfortable talking shit if they're friends biracial. Right. About one race or another. But it's like, yeah, but that's still my auntie. Right. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And so I came out to my mom. Um, This Mm. is when I had my girlfriend and she was coming over a lot. And mind you, my girlfriend is ex-girlfriend is Italian. So finally, I was in the car. My mom would make these like little snide remarks and be like, is that your girlfriend? You have a girlfriend. You. There you go with your girlfriend. And one day in the car, I was like, wow, mother, you really know me so well. Absolutely. (laughs) That is my girlfriend. And she says, so what? You a lesbian? (laughs) And I was like, no, or at least not right now. But I said I'm bisexual. And then my mom, wow, she just got so concerned because she thought I was a sex worker she made it synonymous with that Mm -hmm. not that there's anything wrong with being a sex worker um but to a mother's eyes Mm. especially with a daughter I can't imagine a mother can't even help it you start to see before the child is even born their first what their first 21 years of life look like (laughs) I've been thinking about that a lot I think about that a lot with um with because my my mother used to do that a lot too it's mm-hmm. like anything that even had a hint of gray got looped in as black or white mm-hmm. you know anything there was no like the array of options yeah between polarities was just not a thing mm-hmm. and it used to always i'm like why do you look at things like that how come when i say this you jump either left or you jump right why can't we just stay right here in the center of where i'm telling you i am right now in clear english 
And I used to always wonder about that. And I started studying a little bit more about trauma. And they say that that is a thing that, you know, when you've been traumatized, things really are black and white. I learned about that. Absolutely. There is no, oh, let's, let's see what happens with this sketchy character. They might turn out to be a good person after all. Fuck the fuck no. That be- person is an attacker. Yes, and, and that's because... And we act on it right now. People you know? exploit the gray area. Exactly. The gray area has completely been exploited. So I, that used to frustrate me so much. But I had to remember, well, in these, in these countries, in these spaces, in these places, especially when you're dealing with first-generation parents, gray is such a luxury. Hmm, gray is such a luxury. Privi- yeah. It's a privilege. So there, yeah. there is a tendency to look at things as black and white. And so, you know, like, I, I kind of wanted to chuckle when I heard you, when, when you said your mom jumped to that conclusion. But I'm like, nah, shit's real. You know, like, when my mom first started hearing about marijuana, she's like, oh, my children are on crack. <laughs> I'm like, we are not on crack. <laughs> but it says that. It's always the extreme. And, you know, but there, there's, there's something to be said for that. So, you know. That's a form of survival, too, because absolutely, that's, I think it's that whole taught methodology of stay ready so you ain't got to get ready. Mm-hmm. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm not going to wait for Tracy to admit the worst that's still left in her closet. All right. Let me I'm st- just going to bring it all right. out. Let's 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 pin this in the. <laughs> yeah. Like, let's do a <laughs> yard sale, bitch. Everything out the closet. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. All of it. Right now. So after my mom calmed down, you know, when I answered like her little short list of common questions, her main concern was not only the sexual orientation, but the race. And she was like, Tracy, all right, cool. You're a woman (laughs) that wants to be with another woman. But why must it be a white woman? (laughs) (laughs) Why are you making my life harder? And why are you most certainly making your own life harder? So she didn't understand that because she was like, all right, cool. I'm getting it. You're hitting me with the ABCs of bisexuality. And she was like, well, if you still find some men attractive, then why are you choosing Mm. (laughs) to stay with someone who's just going to make your life way less accepting for others? Which was a point. But then it gets down to I can't help who my heart is in the long game with. You know what I mean? And at the time, it was uh, it was with my, my ex-girlfriend. I'm afraid to say her name. You should be. Girl, scary as shit. <laughs> <laughs> we ain't bringing up her name. And if you're listening, we don't want no problems. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Listen, one of the things that I've learned on my own like personal journey is that I can't only allow room for growth uh and change from myself i have to give that to other people too because i've done so much fuck shit i have left a trail of disaster (laughs) behind me in some chapters in my life and i still turned out pretty damn good pretty darn good (laughs) god is out here just never running out of forgiveness and grace to give to me so i think that's the same for others and she hits me up on my birthday And her energy feels good for the longest time. And if you heard the couple episodes ago, then you know all about my abusive relationship. And that was with her. 
And she would also say that she was in an abusive relationship too. Right. I felt like I got the bulk of it, but hey, I'm only one voice. Right, right, right. <laughs> in a two human relationship. Um, yeah. But anyways. But real quick to that, yeah. no shade to her. No yeah. shade to her at yeah. all. Just to clarify on that. But anybody that makes your best friend cry is going to make you feel some type of way. Of course. So carry on. But carry on. Of course, of course, of course. Um, and for the longest time, I mean, there are great things that I learned in being in a relationship with a girl. And I definitely had other type of relationships after that. But that was my first like committed introducing to people as my girlfriend and my only. Um, and so really appreciating my masculine side because we didn't a lot of relation I don't want to even put a number on it to quantify it but you do see some relationships where there are um gender roles per se you know one woman who may appear and also very well act out the more dominant role um aka I'm putting quotation marks masculine role yada yada but for me and my ex-girlfriend there wasn't that type of line in the sand so much. She was also a tomboy, um, a bit more tomboyish than me, but definitely had her girly moments and was not allergic to dresses or anything like that. Um, but we both kind of took turns just finding the balance in our relationship, you know, with softness and then more and then explorative and playful and just like more direct um and hard-hitting and also having to pay for a lot more things mm -hmm. <laughs> it's very humbling <laughs> so i think about all that i get to receive <laughs> in my relationship with carl even though i also give but i give in a, in a different way um and i'm so appreciative for everything that my past boyfriends have done and then also that Carl does because I did a lot of it with a woman. Um, I also learned the art of asking for forgiveness <laughs> and being, and I think also being a full woman really activated my patience because you have to do a lot and this is just my experience, a lot more listening mm -hmm. because many women, and I think this is a strength, are very um, illustrated with our storytelling. Mm -hmm. So you have to be like both ears in. Yeah, and we're not always talking for feedback. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. We're talking to be witnessed. So exactly. Yeah. Yes, so well said. So I was basically in a relationship with a mirror in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And so it just, it helped me to understand a lot of my needs um, and then how to voice them as well as how to receive the needs that are voiced by another person. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of times when you're in a relationship with a guy, again, this is case by case, um, but men have been conditioned to conceal their divine feminine, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. And... A part of that superpower with your femininity is being in touch with your emotions, mm -hmm. being able to voice your feelings um, and with hearing another woman do it so freely. <laughs> I'm like, dang, I actually have to be ready to hold space 
for it and to make my own adjustments and to have my own accountability. I think in the past, I have taken advantage of being a woman and being like, you know, the more like softer, like damsel in distress. So I could scam my boyfriend into thinking he's all in the wrong. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Because men are always in the wrong. Facts. <laughs> but when you're a another, when you're a another girl, yo, yo, bullshit. Right. Is clear as day, mm-hmm. and she is articulating it top, mm-hmm. middle to bottom with receipts. And I'm like, woof. I see you, sis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it was very, very humbling, and um, I feel like in this relationship with Carl, I kind of treat it as if I was in a lesbian relationship. <laughs> <laughs> meaning and that can be you know depending on who's listening that can look like the most ignorant statement or that could look like the most accurate statement okay but what i mean is um i don't see myself as just the prize and everything revolves around me as the woman you know now in a lot of ways i am treated like that but I give so much to Carl. Like I used to love with my ex-girlfriend be like, wow, I get to do all these, all the great ideas I hoped that my boyfriends would do. I could just play them out on you. And so after that relationship and then with my in my next like heteronormative relationship with my boyfriend after her, I felt like I couldn't do certain things. I'm with a guy and he's not going to appreciate like flowers, blah, 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 blah. But I'm like, all right, girl, if we're talking about helping men, easing men into their divine feminine and showing that it is not only um, present, but it's present as a strength, then I need to cater to that mm-hmm. too. Like, why not? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The 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 beauty, the sense um, that flowers can bring, the peace of just having nature around, like whatever, like who, what made us think that flowers are just for a woman. Have you gotten Carl flowers? Yes. That's so sweet. <laughs> the first time that I met Carl, I mean, does lavender count as a flower? It's a flower. Yeah, I gave Carl um, lavender. And he loved it. And he was going to all his boys. He was like, bro, you haven't gotten lavender before? I got lavender. Oh, that's sweet. <laughs> he received it so well. And I do a boyfriend appreciation night as well, which is just like Destiny's Child catered to you, just like brought to life mm-hmm. <laughs> for like a whole five hours or so. Um, and I do a lot of like little surprises for Carl, like things that will pop into my head where I try to like beam him this message of do this for me, do this for me, do this for I just do it for him. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why am I waiting for this guy's like antennas to pick up mm-hmm. <laughs> on these like secret messages I'm trying to send? You yeah, know what I mean? I'll change. just do it. Right. I'll just do it for him. And then I'm actually able to benefit from that because you want to see your loved ones feel love. Yeah. Gifting is really fun. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really, really fun. And all of that came from being in a relationship with a woman. So thank you for that. And also I've been asked a lot about um, how I think God views all of this. And and I used to think about this, especially when it came down to threesomes. Mm. I was like, well, if I'm married and I have a threesome, is God going to be in the room? And I'm like, dang, God's in all rooms. All rooms. But God can't, I mean, God's a classy 
spirit. <laughs> it's gonna Can't give just you space. Hang out outside the room, like you know what I'm saying. <laughs> I you got like a billion other people to look after. <laughs> I'm sure they wouldn't mind that extra attention from you right now. <laughs> so here's the thing. I believe that um, my free will is a gift and isn't a setup to see if I'm going to make the right choices all the time, especially as I'm, like I was saying earlier in this conversation, thinking about everything I'm learning in my yoga teacher training and how there is no duality, meaning there is no wrong or right per se, because Mm. everything can be useful and it all depends on the person and the time and maybe the other people involved as well. Um, so if something in my spirit, deep within my intuition, whether this is nature or nurture, I don't care if it doesn't feel right for me. And I am also a piece of God, then God don't like it either. That's it. And just because I might, I may not be into it doesn't mean now I think everyone else who does this, like people who have threesomes, I don't feel like are going to hell. I also don't believe in hell. And that's a whole other podcast. <laughs> we, we could definitely do. Um, so I think God, I think God is rocking out with me as long as I am a striving, honest person. Mm-hmm. That's it. But sexuality it's it's complicated because we're taught that so many things are dirty, you know. Yeah, like even when you were saying, um, God, God doesn't want to watch this, this, <laughs> this filth. But I'm like, sex is divine. Where else do you, you know, where else mm-hmm. do you experience nirvana? If if an orgasm is compared to heaven, why why would God not be there? You know, yeah. it's our own perversion of it. And if we didn't, you know, it's our own perversion of of sex. But sex is sex is divine. Sex is angels and all the good stuff. Maybe making love is divine. I in my head, every time I say sex, I'm really saying cosmic sex. Okay. I don't know what kind of sex y'all are having. If it's not cosmic, it's not it's not worth having. <laughs> this is going on in my mind. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I don't know. I don't know. But that's what I feel. It could be a swirl. I think the intention behind my sex is cosmic Mm -hmm. for sure i don't know if everything else (laughs) is cosmic i feel like passing the mic over to our producer amber real quick she's shaking her head no especially (laughs) since she's a scorpio who's pregnant (laughs) want to see if that baby was formed through cosmic ways or other but we'll leave that alone cosmic 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 (laughs) baby's innocent exactly should not be brought into this it was an act of the divine. It's cosmic. <laughs> exactly. God is involved at all times. If there is, But when you say even making love and God is love. Yeah. Then we're just making divinity together. You know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But again, it is always rooted in intention. Intention does always. 
it does always set the tone of where we're going. It sets the tone of the frequency that we're going to be at. Yeah. Yeah. I have sex at a very high frequency. Absolutely. As you should. As I I think we're in the place, we can't even have these conversations if we're not. You know, this isn't like a a part-time thing. This Mm -hmm. has to be a lifestyle thing. Yeah. So. And then also, if you go back and listen to our No Sex Zone um, podcast Mm -hmm. episodes where we speak about why we chose celibacy and the benefits we receive from celibacy, like one thing I'm pretty sure about myself is that I'm never have this is just me I'm never having sex solely for physical pleasure absolutely yeah we're past again that. yeah man so cheap it's yeah. so cheap after you after you're done being celibate it's like I'm luxury for bitch. real for real <laughs> for real for I'm sitting on a golden goose mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? it's just different it's I'm different. laying golden eggs it's different it's absolutely different yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Has your idea of gender changed over the year? Because I could say this for sure. And we spoke about this off mic before. Mm-hmm. Um, I do go by the pronouns she and her. Mm-hmm. But they. Facts. Like the definition of they. Yeah. Oh, I feel. I love Just it. for myself, I the agree. word they. Mm-hmm. I'm just not into the word and I mean that in the simplest way. Mm-hmm. I'm into the meaning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm just like, can we get a, like a, maybe a fancier? I don't really know. Like, but I just like don't... Tracy and them? Yeah, yeah. Just, <laughs> and exactly, Tracy and them. <laughs> <laughs> I like it too. I love it. I love that idea because I'm just like, yeah, my ancestors do walk with me everywhere I go. So mm-hmm. call me they. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I, 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 like the, I like the idea of that. Granted, I know when other people use that term, they might not mean that. But that's right. what I think of it as. I think, and I think it's quite comforting. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So you would, you would feel comfortable saying that maybe you're gender neutral? Would you go as far as that? Because I also just love woman. I love the word woman. I love, I love the word, the word woman too. And I'm always so, even though I do feel that I don't mind the pronoun they, I'm always hesitant to now hop on these terms because I feel like people really need them. Yeah. I feel like it's not fair. And I feel like people have been fighting for them for exactly. so long. And I, I haven't like, been fighting. Like, I'm that's coming what I'm when saying. the war is quote-unquote done. That's what I'm saying. And I'm like, oh, I like that term. Let me try that on. And so I'm like, I don't want to appropriate what, what you, mm. which, this term that you absolutely need. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to let me in, okay, cool. Well, thank you for the invitation. But I'm not going to infringe upon a term that I know that you need. Because I exactly like you, I love being a woman. Yeah. And I love calling myself feminine. Yeah, You know, I love those. And I don't have a problem with them. But... um. You know, I would I wouldn't doubt any I wouldn't look at anybody sideways if they did, if yeah. they struggle with those terms. Yeah. So I feel like those it's not mine. Right. It's not mine. But I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. Mm-hmm. I like what y'all did there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. That's so crazy how you can appropriate like so much. Exactly. Huh. So that's so I think that's the other thing about bisexuality. I feel like in some ways people looked at it as an appropriation. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. As like, because there were also, I went, I'll never forget when I went to um, a lesbian bar and this was my first and my last time, but, and this was a long time ago and it was just one lesbian bar <laughs> in one part of New York City. But the turn offs when I explained that I was bisexual oh. <laughs> by the lesbians there was bananas. Mm. I would have been better off as a straight girl there, I feel like. (laughs) And so I'm wondering if, like, subconsciously it looks like I'm appropriating because, you know, especially in music videos and hip-hop culture, the bisexual girl is just, like, the hottest. That's who you want. My girl's got a girlfriend. 
So that might be it. And so that's why, like, <sighs> so I just sad. I just went with with pansexual because and pansexual just being like attracted to energy because it all gets very muddled and there are um let me see there are born women who identify as gender fluid who i have found attractive there are trans women that i have found attractive you know what i mean and so some other people might might look at that as needing a whole other type of title identity whatever whatever so that's why fluid just works with me mm-hmm. and currently um floating down the river of sexuality arm in arm with carl joseph black <laughs> however i have always said this and i remind this <laughs> to my mom like maybe once a year no matter what i will still tell my children that mommy is not heterosexual even if all they know is me being with their dad assuming that me and carl get married it's never gonna be yes this is like a hetero relationship but this is not for your mom a hetero identity And that will begin the conversation because I don't know what my little eggs are going to hatch to be, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. and I want them to feel welcomed while they develop in their first home, which is my womb. And that begins with being honest with myself. Mm -hmm. So that's, you know, drips into them. And then when they enter their second home, All the walls are inclusive. Mm -hmm. Man, I really could talk with my burger, my girdly, for days, bruh. I swear. I hate that we got to cut these combos down a bit. But alas, you know, I'm looking at you, my producer, Amber. (laughs) Let me know if we should do a part two of this, actually, because there's so much more that we could delve into. And per usual, if you rocked with this episode, please share it. Tag me on Instagram. Hit me on Twitter. I'm at it's Tracy G I T S here A C Y G on both them things. And if you are down to support even further please leave a rating and review of the she's beauty and beast podcast in the itunes podcast if that's where you listen forever grateful for thy attention until the next episode stay hydrated stay masturbated and take good fucking care of your heart